A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus told his disciples a parable about the necessity for them to pray always without becoming weary. He said, There was a judge in a certain town who neither feared God nor respected any human being. And a widow in that town used to come to him and say, Render a just decision for me against my adversary. For a long time, the judge was unwilling. But eventually he thought, While it is true that I neither fear God nor respect any human being, because this widow keeps bothering me, I shall deliver a just decision for her unless she finally come and strike me. The Lord said, Pay attention to what the dishonest judge says. Will not God then secure the rights of his chosen ones who call out to him day and night? Will he be slow to answer them? I tell you, he will see to it that justice is done for them speedily. But when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The Gospel of the Lord. The lectionary skips over a couple of verses since last Sunday's Gospel. The Pharisees asked Jesus, When is the kingdom of God coming? Or in the language of this parable, When will this widow receive justice? Jesus' birth and ministry have heralded the dawn of that new day. So Jesus responds to the Pharisees that the kingdom of God is among you. But it won't fully arrive until Jesus returns, when the Son of Man comes. Which begs the question, what do we do in the meantime? What does faith look like in a world like ours? This week's parable is Jesus' response to questions like these. It's not merely persistence in the experience of unanswered prayer, but specifically enduring in our longing for justice while we await Jesus' return. More than once in his teaching, Jesus uses a how-much-more form of argument. For example, encouraging prayer, Jesus says, If you then, who are sinners, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Or again, assuring his listeners that God cares for them, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will God clothe you? This week's parable has a similar underlying design. In responding to the challenge of the Pharisees, Jesus seems to be making a distinction between the judgment of the Pharisees, that is, a religious judge, and a secular judge. That the judge has no respect for God suggests that this is a secular judge who is not concerned with the laws of God, but with the laws of the society. And that he respected no human being, again, sounds harsh to us, until we see that the point is that he can't be bought with a bribe. He's not for sale to someone with status or wealth, 
nor is he particularly swayed by the difficult situation of a poor widow. His judgments are based on the law, not on the person who is appealing to him. We don't know anything about the widow's cause, whether she is right or wrong. We know only one thing. She is faithful. She kept coming again and again, relentlessly pursuing her claim. The judge will grant the widow's request not because her cause is just, nor because he fears God or respects people, but to get this troublesome woman out of his hair, or, more literally, out of his face. She may end up striking him and giving him a black eye. We're probably meant to laugh. If this is what an unjust judge will do, how much more will God listen to us? Since God is indeed passionate about justice and does consider the needs of God's people, Some readers of this parable have come to the conclusion that God is the widow, beating on our doors, trying to convince us to do the right thing. God is the annoyingly persistent one who knows how all of us are inclined to have an unjust judge well installed into our consciousness. This week, October 11th, marked the 60th anniversary of the opening of the Second Vatican Council. I watched the live stream Mass from St. Peter's in Rome. Afterward, I read Ross Douthat's column in the New York Times, How Catholics Became Prisoners of Vatican II. Douthat makes three claims. The Council was necessary. The Council was a failure. And the Council cannot be undone. Douthat's claim of failure is not abstract. It is painful, it is real, and it needs to be paid attention to. There are real people who have fallen away from the body of Christ. The Council did not stop an exodus of Catholics, and some reforms undertaken, quote, in the spirit of Vatican II, end quote, arguably exacerbated that decline. But all of us live too short a life, only a small slice in the long arc of an era. The real impact of the Council will not be known for at least another 40 years. Vatican II gave us new insight on the nature of the Church, on the nature of the human person, and on the vocations of the baptized. The Council taught us to give up on coercion, to instead live evangelically. As Pope John XXIII put it at the opening of the Council, the Church's present needs are best served by explaining more fully her doctrines and by using the balm of mercy rather than issuing more condemnations enforced by the arm of severity. Vatican II restored to us what Bartolome de la Casas calls the only way to teach the living faith of Christ, the way that wins the mind with reasons, that wins the will with gentleness, with invitation. That's the freedom of the gospel. Vatican II was not about stopping secularization. It was about how to live as Christians 
in a secularized, sometimes hostile, and sometimes apathetic world. It seems to me that Jesus is responding to that question in today's Gospel. But when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Here is a vital element of faith, becoming able to imagine something good, and so to want it, and then, as one wants it more, finding it more possible to imagine it more fully. October 15th is the feast of St. Teresa of Avila, a Spanish mystic, reformer. She was one of the outstanding masters of Christian prayer. She died in 1582 and was canonized 40 years later. In 1970, she was the first woman named a doctor of the church. She wrote a simple prayer that echoes the prayer of the widow in the gospel. It begins in Spanish, Nada te turbe. Here's a translation. Let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. All things are passing. God alone never changes. Patience gains all things. If you have God, you will want for nothing. God alone suffices.